Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the NSL's podcast. My name's Stephen, the host of the NSL's podcast. I'm delighted to be joined again by my co-host, John, and a show regular Anthony. How are you both? Uh, very well, Stephen. Very well. Good Good to be back on after a couple of weeks uh, away on holiday. Uh, can't wait to get talking about another great weekend for Celtic again. Absolutely. Same for me. I've, it's been a couple of weeks I've been on. I've loaded with busy and stuff and loaded with the cold and lost my voice in that in the last week or so, so... It's good to be back, mate. It's fresh voices. The listeners will be shocked. They've been used to me, Franny and Ross for the past, <laughs> past couple of weeks, but it's, it's good to get the rest of us back on and my co-host John's back, which is fantastic. But look, as you said there, another fantastic weekend for Celtic. Club football returned after the international football, which seemed like an eternity, but albeit things committed for, for Scotland and big well done to them from us guys. And another thing I want to touch upon, not only is it the return to club football, but again, it's the return to Celtic's name being associated with trebles. Now, not on the pitch, but on the, the Celtic fan media side of things, our friends over at ASCOM, the Celtic State of Mind guys, have won a treble of awards at the Football Content Awards down in London, I believe it was held. And I think that's just fantastic. And a big well done to Paul John Dykes and the team. I'm sure we can all agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. The, the guys have... Uh, it absolutely is, Stephen. Um, the guys have been... You know, get on a lot of the the guests, the regulars on the show have, have been guests on here as well, and they've been a big uh, helping hand with us getting us up and running as well. So, um, I was delighted to hear the, that they sort of cleaned up at the awards. Um, but you know, Celtic trebles, treble Celtic. It's just one of these things that you know. That's just two words that go hand in hand. So, yep, totally. <laughs> uh, I'll second everything you say there. Well done, to, uh, all the guys over at a Celtic State of Mind. Well deserved. Absolutely, second that. Yeah, and I think it's a big thumbs up to the Celtic fan media. I mean, obviously there's certain quarters that give all fan media a stick, but the, the guys at the Celtic City of Mind proved that, I mean, the one of travel for wars, and as you say, Anthony, Celtic and travels are just associated with each other and a big well done to them. But we'll move on to the club football side of things and a return to Celtic, and we were playing Motherwell at Fair Park. Now, before the game, the game that led into the international break, we won uh, 2-1 away to Aberdeen at Pataudry, get into this one. We bit more confidence than there usually was, Anthony, around the club, around the fan base in terms of getting a result. And again, I hate saying that, but it was just the kind of run you were on in terms of away form. It was a dire, but now it's two wins in a row, 2-0 victory. Um, David Turnbull with a, a cracking piece of a goal. And Jada, again, just being himself, just smashing it in the bottom left corner. And he's been a revelation since he joined. But what 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 was your overall take of that game? Uh, it was very, very pleasing, Stephen. Uh, you know, I think I, I was on the, the the morning or the the day after the uh, result up at Petodre, and I was sort of saying at the time that it, it's a, it was a massive win, but it was only going to be a massive win if it then was something that we could build upon. And not only did we get the result on Saturday, um, as the manager said himself, the performance was much improved from. That, that it was up at Pataudry. Um We really controlled the game from start to finish, uh, to be honest. I don't really recall uh, Joe Hart having a, a save to make, really. I mean, he had the, the little cheeky back heel um, whilst he was <laughs> uh, trying to you know, clear the ball away from his feet. But I don't recall him actually really being called into action, um, which I suppose you've got to give the defence sort of credit as well. Um, you know, Starfelt has been sort of much maligned uh, since he came in, but I felt he had a good game on on Saturday, and um, obviously, you know, going forward, um, I think the the gaffer was absolutely right to praise uh, sort of signal uh, Tom Rogic out for special praise. I thought he had an absolutely magnificent game, 
And uh, yeah, like you say, Jota, um, he's just continuing. He's, he's fantastic for him. And yeah, it was just, it's always good to get a great result away from home. But the fact that it's built on a good performance as well, uh, it just shows uh, the progress that we're making. Yeah, I mean, much like yourself, it, it was a much improved performance, Anthony. I think you're correct in saying that. And we controlled the game for large parts. And as you said, Joe Hart never had much to do, apart from obviously the brilliant bit of skill that he must have brought up from Man City, brought it to us. And I mean, it was just composed again. He's brought a lot of composure to the, the back four. But coming to yourself, John, obviously before we get into the players, and there were some interesting decisions that you want to touch upon, but what was your summary of the game? I thought it was great. I mean, I thought we played really, really well. It was good to see Rogic and Tumble actually working tandem together on the pitch because I think it's something that over the past couple of weeks that we've been looking at and saying maybe that the, the two of them on the park at the same time isn't something that's working for us. Um, but it seemed to click uh, at the weekend and I, I thought we played really, really well. Um, so a lot of players had, had really good games. I'm sure we'll touch on it in just a minute. But uh, the, only, the only moment that really worried me was when uh, the ball was played back to Joe Hart and he'd, he'd done that wee, the wee flick out to the side. <laughs> uh, I think, I've, I don't know, my, my ass was in my mouth. My, was it that? <laughs> Is that the same? My ass was in my mouth. My heart was in my mouth. So, something my like that, John. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know what you mean. Me. I'm not familiar with the expression. Uh, try, to, try to be smartly. But I no, it, 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 that kind of thing, that I don't like that. It, it worked and it, it looked all right and it was a wee bit of a moment where the fans go, hey, but it was, nah, we need to cut that out. I think that's the only thing that worries me. Um, the constant pack, passing back to the goalkeeper and letting them sort of come towards us and press us because there was a couple of times where, not just in that game, but in other games as well, I'm sure you would, would agree that there's been moments where you're like, oh, Christ, and just, we need to cut that out, I think. Yeah, I mean... I think Postacoglu, as we all can see, he's set in his way. He's already come out and said he's not going to change the attacking style, even going into this crucial European game tomorrow against Furnace Faros, which we'll touch upon. But coming to yourself, Anthony, now, the starting lineup, there there was this, I mean, the standout player who came in was Bolongoli in terms of left-back. That was the biggest decision. I mean, do you think Bolongoli is going to get a run in the Celtic shirt? I don't think he's included in the Europa League squad, so he won't be playing in Europe as of yet. But do you think he'll be first choice going forward in the league and domestic cup competitions? Yeah, it, it, it may not necessarily be first choice, but I do think he, he will feature more. Um, obviously, we have the, like you say, I don't think he's actually included in the Europa League squad. And Ange Postacoglu did say in the post-match interview that he reckons that Adam Montgomery will be fit for for Tuesday, uh, well, Tuesday night, Tuesday afternoon, should we say. <laughs> um, I so, which begs the question: If he was, if he was perhaps more fit at the weekend, would he have started? We'll, we'll never know. Um, all we do know is that you know, ball and goal. He's came back this season. He's featured in two games. I was at the match at Almondvale, uh, although, although we lost the match. Ball and goal. He was one of our better players. Um, he didn't really do much. I, I, I don't recall him doing really anything wrong in the game. And in yeah. fact, going forward as the match went on, he was the one that was sort of getting into decent positions to try and, you know, get the ball across the park or, you know, take a, I think he actually had a shot at goal one point as well. Um, so he was, you know, he was, the intent was there to get forward. And again, I, I don't want to sound disrespectful to Motherwell, but, you know, they're, they're not exactly PSG. But 
I thought I didn't think he'd done anything wrong on on Saturday either. He he did the job that was required of him. Um, there will obviously be the you know the hypocrites in the media um, sort of saying that he should never uh, play again, sort of duty last season and all that nonsense. Uh, whilst you know very conveniently um, forgetting all the the other acts by other clubs. Um, more often than not, one club in particular when it comes to comes to COVID breaches. Um, Celtic are under no obligation whatsoever to not play ball on goalie. Um, he's an employee of the club um, and he's doing his duties as required at the moment. Um, I would have no qualms about him uh, featuring more often uh, for us this season going forward. I think it's quite interesting after you bring up, obviously, there's people in certain sections of the media will point the last season and obviously what Bowling Gully did was wrong and we're no doubt about that. But some Celtic fans, John, took issue with it and there was a, a large section of the fan base that didn't want him near, near Celtic Football Club again. But I've never really had that ill hatred towards him. Not hatred, that's a strong word, but like kind of, do you know what I mean, not wanting him around. I've always thought he's a good player and he played in the Champions League last season, albeit he got injured and he, he missed half the season um, with the club he was at. But coming back into, into the team now as he is, he adds a bit more experience in the left-back position, especially now because Greg Taylor is injured. We don't know how long for. He's got an operation on his shoulder. Montgomery's still young and inexperienced. And Bowling Gully, for me, is, is the right choice, is he not? I mean, I, I would say that um, he's certainly, in the, the, the opportunities that he's been given, uh, he's certainly shown that he's capable in this style that Anz is playing seems to seems to fit him really well. Uh, it, it seems to be, he's like as, as Anthony alluded to, he was very good going forward. Um, and he, he seems to link up well with Jota on the left as well. Um, and like he says, he adds another element of attack, which I think we, we, we sort of miss under Taylor. I've been, I mean, I've been critical with Taylor in the past, um, and I'm saying he's no a first choice left back, and we needed to strengthen that position. Um, you mentioned obviously skills. We don't know the situation with him and whether or not he's going to be the, the guy going forward, but it doesn't look like it. Um, obviously Taylor's injured. We don't know when he's back, as you mentioned. Um, and it's just Bowling Golly at the minute looks like a strong option, and I certainly agree that he will feature more. Um, but I mean, he's done he's done himself. Nothing, but he, well, he's 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 played really really well, and he's 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 done himself proud because there was I mean, just touching on what you mentioned about the element of the Celtic support, I'm not getting it too much, but I mean we see online there's a lot of Celtic fans that talk some amount of shite and they don't really know what they're saying or what they're talking about. They just talk nonsense, um, and I'm not saying that 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 I mean we're all guilty of doing it at some point or other, but. I think people were just too emotional at times, um, and they they're, they're clinging onto this COVID nonsense for last season. Was it a good thing? Should they have done it? No. Were we happy at the time? No, because it had a negative impact on us. But by and large, it, we still had the, the season's failings wasn't due to him. Uh, and as Anthony says, he's still a member of the club. He's still under contract, and he still reserves the right to play. Uh, and if we've got another player coming in and he's going to perform the way he has been performing, which is very strongly, that only benefits us. So I can't see why anybody would want to, would have anything negative to say or be upset or pissed off by it because we need that position. We need a bit of depth at that position. So he adds that. And like I say, he's been very, very good for us going forward. Um, and, and, and he certainly offers a, a better attacking threat, which... As I say, in the style of football we're playing under Ange at the minute, 
um, is, is certainly more suitable. So I think that uh, going forward, we'll probably see a lot more of him. Um, but uh, would I start my head a Taylor going forward as well? I would say, well, I, I would, I would say yes. So is that you basically saying he's the best left back of the club? Uh, at the minute, I would say yes. What about yourself, Anthony, in terms of Greg Taylor? Obviously, he divides opinion among Celtic fans. John's a perfect example of that. I mean, me, myself, personally, I agree with John on the very rare occasion that I don't think Greg Taylor <laughs> should, should be should be Celtic's first choice. And that's not me advocating the ball and gullies, that the answer is to everything here. But well, I think can I just, I just, to establish that as well, I don't think ball and gullies answer either. Yeah, but no, but I think he would at this current point in time. He's definitely appears in the grand scheme of things to be the stronger option going forward. Yeah, where do you stand on that one, Anthony? I think, like John says, uh, that ball and goalie is probably more suited to to Angie's style of play. I just think as well, though, that Greg Taylor, yes, he is he's certainly limited. I mean, we're not going to sit here and say that he's Andy Robertson or or Kieran Tierney or anyone of of that ilk, but. He reminds me almost a little bit like a, a left-sided McNamara. He just does his job. Um, he's maybe not quite as talented as Jackie was, to be fair, either. But I, I just feel like sometimes he's the one because he doesn't do the long bursting runs. Um, and yes, his final ball isn't the best either. But it, it can be. And, and but for for all intents and purposes, um, ball and goalies suffered the same thing by a lot of the support as well. It's that sort of scapegoat mentality. Not accusing you two guys of of that, just whilst uh, just to, to make it clear. <laughs> but I just think that there, there are large elements. You, you hear it every other Saturday, um, or I've heard it in the past, where it doesn't really matter whether or not Taylor or Ball and Goalie were involved in any kind of play. There was just an element of the support that were just eager to get on their back. Um, Samaras suffered with it for long and weary. Megidi, I remember, uh, used to get it really bad as well. Um, there just seems to be certain players that they just like having a moment it. And Taylor, and to an extent, ball and goalies seem to have fallen into that category at the minute. Um, if I had a full choice available to me, I'd, I'd probably go for Taylor in sort of European games where he's got to be a little bit more, there's got to be a bit more positional discipline at the back. Um, perhaps for league games in the, you know, at home especially, uh, ball and goalies more than uh, adequate for. Uh, doing the job that's required. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting you brought up the McNamara comparison with Taylor. I brought that up before and I've got pelters for it. Like, but I can see where you're coming from. He's like a solid 6 or 7 out of 10. And as you alluded to, maybe he's not the, the same sort of standard of McNamara, but he gives you his all, Greg Taylor. I'll give him that. I'll, I'll give him all the praise I can. But personally, he's not the answer for me at left back. Ball and goalie is a more solid option. And people will probably say, what are you based on? But I think based on his past experiences with Rapid Vienna winning stuff over there, come to Celtic, albeit that happened with the COVID thing. He went away again on loan and played Champions League football. So there is a pedigree of Bowling Gully. I just think going forward, that's the best option, in my opinion. Obviously, people will be different. But moving towards the midfield, something <laughs> I found quite, quite interesting was seeing Turnbull and Rodgers back playing together as a two in the midfield. And we spoke about this before, and I've actually seen a lot of, a lot of chat on Twitter about it as well. People saying they can't play together. And me personally, I thought the same. And especially when Beton came in against Aberdeen, I thought he played well with McGregor and Turnbull. And then Rogers came on further later in the game to make an impact. But coming to yourself, John, first, I mean, it is a hard one. Was it just because it's Fair Park? It's a it's a more open, expansive pitch that we're both playing? Or do you think that's Postacoglu's preferred too? 
I think it, it, it's probably. I mean, they they started more together more often than not. So it it certainly looks to be on the surface he's preferred to. Um, I mentioned that earlier um, on this episode just when you came to me the first time that it was good seeing them working together and uh, and uh, that sort of bearing fruit because like uh, you mentioned and as I said it, it's it, it looked for large parts to to no be working. It's like there was a conflict in the styles and everything else and. It just it looked like it might not be the best sort of combination going forward, and we might need to sort of um, swap things about and try something different. But um, as I say, it finally clicked, or at least it appeared to click at the weekend. Uh, whether or not that's going to continue to remain the case going forward, we don't know. But uh, it was certainly good to see because I think the offer well, we've seen with Turnbull's goal, fantastic goal. We've seen with Rogic's uh, and how he set up for for Jota's goal as well. Um, so the, what they offer Celtic in the middle of the park is individually uh, and as a unit um, is great, but it, it's whether they can maintain that. Yeah, that's the, I think that's the main issue, especially in tough away venues and even home games as well against a tough opposition. You need to be a bit more digging the midfield, Anthony, in my opinion. I thought B. Tong came in and did a great job alongside McGregor and, and letting kind of Turnbull express himself more. But... Again, John makes the perfect point. They work well together at Fair Park, and it's a bit of a catch twenty two situation for Postacoglu because if he if he drops one of them and puts a more defensive minded player in, it looks like he's going defensive. And if he starts the two and none of them track back, then after the game everyone's looking back in hindsight saying, Why didn't I start this guy for a bit more dignity midfield? And it's a bit like it's 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 hard to decide, isn't it? It is. And the thing is as well that none of the two of them, perhaps apart from Saturday, have really Stake to claim this season to say that they were sort of undroppable, really. I mean, Rogic has had days like Fir Park um, at the start of the season, but then sort of tailed off a bit. Turnbull had a, again also had a, a, a good start, but sort of I would say from perhaps around the match at Ibrox up until the weekend, he'd sort of blown hot and cold as well. And even there was a couple of times on Saturday where he, he made the wrong decision a few times, but if you if you're going to do that, but then scored the goal of the season, um, then it it's a bit easier to forgive, you know. Um, like you say, Stephen, there'll be all ranges of you know variety of opposition coming up between now and not even just January, the rest of the season. So there will be sort of afternoons and, and nights where that bit more dig in the middle of the park is required. And I, I agree with you. I thought Beaton did very well when he came on at Petodre, and. As well, I also think as well, it all depends on what kind of fitness levels McGregor's at as well. I thought Cal McGregor, although he, you know, he wasn't doing bursting forward runs or you know he wasn't on the score sheet on Saturday, just the little bits off the ball, I thought he just, he's the technician of the team, as they say, he's a, he's a solid 7, 8 out of 10 every week. And if as long as we can keep him fit and in the team, then a lot of the rest of the midfield sort of picks itself. Um, if you're going to get more afternoons like that, then Turnbull and Rogic um, are certainly staking their claim for, for a more regular uh, place in the team. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. And you spoke about Turnbull there, and he's been blown hot and cold. And I do agree, there's some matches I watch him, and I'd, I'd just be like, what are you doing? Because you expect so much more, Anthony, from Turnbull. And the goal he produced, John, was just, it was out of this world. And he was involved in the build up play for Yada's first goal as well. And he's like a frustrating player, but when he does things like that, I mean, Let's talk about that goal. As Anthony said, that's goal of the season right now, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. 
when it when it, I think it, I don't know if I might be alone here, but when he struck it initially, I thought it, obviously he was just hitting it, and it, to me, it looked like it was going to go wide or it was going to just just miss the goals. I think the keeper obviously thought the same because he was rooted, and he just watched it, um, and then obviously it just nestled itself in the top corner. You know, absolutely beautiful strike. Like I thought it was um, definitely up there with goal of the season so far, but. The confidence to take it, and I want to see Mary that going forward, does taking shots for that kind of range when we see space. Um, because I think that one of the, the issues we're facing, and we've no, I've noticed it in, in recent games especially, is um, when we come up against these teams, we're going to dominate possession. And I've said this before, you're, you're nine times out of ten, you're going to be playing essentially 90 minutes trying to break down 11 men. Um, and again, that's not a slight on all the other teams we're playing, but that's just how they come up. They play against us. They don't open themselves up too much. They try, they maybe try and wait and hit us on a counter attack, um, which has cost us in the past because we play so high. But at the same time, you, they've got 11 men behind the ball, and we're passing it about in front of them quite a bit. And you're trying. It's very, very difficult to get a ball in behind somebody, break the lines, and then we're trying to utilise the width, and which is something we've been screaming about as well. But you're floating that ball into a box packed with men, uh, with 11 guys defending the ball, and it's very, very difficult to get somebody on the end of it. So I think when you find the space uh, outside the box, and to, uh, take a shot, sort of draw them out, let them know that they can't just sit back and we're going to have to pull them out a bit, come forward and try and create a bit of space as well. But I thought that that was Tumble's uh, strike and that goal was a perfect example of why we should continue doing stuff like that going forward. Yeah, I think it's a great point where you say... And- Breaking the teams down, trying to play that neat, tippy toppy football, Anthony, into the box sometimes doesn't work. And John says, shoot from distance. And sometimes, again, as we're seeing with previous players, not going to mention his name, but he's down a, in the south side of England now, Bournemouth. So, but, I mean, guys do need to take chances. And if you can strike a ball like Turnbull, then you should be doing that two or three times a match, shouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And when it comes off the way it did on Saturday, uh, everyone's happy. I, I just think, hopefully, now, with a couple of wins in a row, especially you know away from home, uh, behind us, that the, that co- kind of confidence will grow. Players do tend to play a bit within themselves if things aren't going right, and you know they sometimes don't want to be seen by the fans as the one making the error uh, that leads to the breakdown of play. Um, so if we can build a few more of these results together, um, the confidence will only only grow and grow, and we might see more of those long-range uh, belters for Turnbull uh, in the future. Yeah, 100%. And obviously moving towards the forward three of uh, Abada, Kyogo and Jada. And people always talk about Kyogo and stuff, but I'm going to further away from him this week, albeit he had a fantastic game as well. But I just want to single out another guy, Jada, another fantastic game, John. And Benfica are looking six and a half million, I think, for a buyout for him for, for the loan day to be permanent. And I don't know if you guys have seen this. I've been watching it closely. I don't know if it's an official um, an official uh, Benfica page on Twitter, but there seems to be this page going about of Benfica looking about all their young players are sent out on loan. And there's always clips of Jada and things he's doing in Europe and the SPFL and all their fans. Yes, it supports the keys, but it's translated a few of the tweets are absolutely loving Jada. And I just hope that Celtic take advantage of this buyout clause because he'd be a fantastic permanent addition to the team, wouldn't he? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I feel like come January we should be we should be exercising that. I think we just try to get it over the line and get just. I don't want it to be a situation where, um, similar to the like the Paddy Roberts situation. I know that Man City. I don't know how much Man City were expecting for him, but I, 
I think initially it was a wee bit out of the price range or what Man City were wanting, but six million for the way Jota's playing at the minute and the, the kind of player he looks to be six million as a steal in this day and age. So it, it, it for me it's a no brainer. Um, and the fact that I like the fact that we've brought him in on this this clause. And, and Carter Vickers is looking to be the same, by the way. Um, it's obviously. I think there's an option to buy in that contract as well, but I think that's something we should be looking to exercise. But for Jota, it, it's a no-brainer for me. I, I remember, I've got a, a lot of friends, when I was at university, I met a lot of guys from Portugal, and we're still friends to this day, and a few of them are Benfica fans. And I asked, as soon as we we signed him, I was asking about him, and they were like, saying that he's a fantastic talent, He's he's been touted as the next big thing in Portugal, and... Um, it's not quite worked out for him because he's that, that Benfica team is absolutely loaded and he struggled to sort of break into it. Um, but I, by all accounts, he, he's meant to be a, a, a potential world-class talent. So six million is a steal. What about yourself, Anthony? Your your opinion on Jada? I haven't really talked to you much about him, but fair in. What do you think? Uh, I I'm just like John. I'm I'm very much tempted to try not fall in love with the guy because he is still <laughs> technically just a lone player but uh, just I really really want this guy to be signed up on a permanent deal and the the deal does differ a little bit from from Roberts I, I know what you mean John it was I think City were always reluctant to sell him even although it was very obvious that he was not going to break into that Manchester City side whereas the fact that we've got this buyout clause or, or option to buy in this contract deal already um, like you say, absolute no-brainer that we get that deal over the line. And it, the thing is, as well, he looks like he's happy um, playing his football here. He's got a connection with the fans already. Uh, he's obviously scored some important goals already. Uh, he's off the ball. Uh, movement looks great as well. He looks a real talent. And I think he could thrive under uh, Ange Postacoglu's style. I would have him permanently at Celtic Park in a heartbeat. 100%. I think as well, he's been a perfect replacement. <laughs> On the left-hand side for Alan Lucy, who is playing well by all accounts for Southampton down England, and six and a half million quid get him signed up Celtic. But moving on, and Anthony, you made a great point in terms of the away form. That's two wins in a row. Celtic's moved up up to fourth place and sixteen points. Team across the city on twenty points. They drop points against Hearts. Last-minute goal. I don't know if you've seen the the clips, Anthony, going around Twitter, but just the faces and some some certain people. It's just it's just funny to watch, <laughs> to be honest. But I mean. <laughs> In terms of the landscape of the table, it's we are looking up quite literally. We're moving up the table. And it's one of these things, isn't it, Anthony? We need to kind of gather that momentum and keep the pace up, don't we? Absolutely. Um, and we've got a couple of home games coming up now, although it's uh, sandwiched in between that is a, a, what I imagine will be a very difficult trip to Easter Road. But you just have to... It's one game at a time, and we do have to keep building this momentum. Uh like you say, it's it's four points, but we've got the opportunity on Saturday where we win that match, it would be back to one point. Rangers play away from home on the on the Sunday, so there's there's that added pressure. Uh, and the thing is as well, once this first sort of cycle of fixtures has been played, it means that we have already been at Ibrox, we've already been to Tynecastle, we'll have been to Easter Road, we'll have been to Pataudry. And also another couple of difficult grounds as well in Fir Park and, uh, well, we'll the least said about the Tony Macaroni Stadium and our <laughs> record there, the better. Um, but we've had a real tough run of away games in this cycle. So, you know, nothing in life is certain, but you would like to think that perhaps between now and the January break that we're going to have more home games and, you know, we we'll, gives us a, a huge incentive to, to get plenty more points on the board and, uh, 
it all, it'll all come down, you know, going into that winter break, uh, the home match at Celtic Park, uh, the New Year's Day derby. So, yep, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that we've got a couple of away wins out the way and a lot of the, the tough away fixtures out the road. But like you say, home or away, we need to keep winning and keep building that momentum. And, uh, yep, onwards and upwards. Yeah. Well, momentum is key, Anthony. And I mean, you're right to allude to the fact from neither January, there's no excuse really for Celtic not to go on a run and gather that pace and get up that table and hopefully again aim to be top of it sooner rather than later, John. And looking at the goal difference, I mean, we're streets ahead. We're on 15. The closest team to us, I think, is Hearts and they're on nine. And <laughs> they're the only unbeaten team in the league at the minute. But looking at it as nigh, two wins in a row away from home, as Anthony said, home and away, we need to keep winning. It's just, as I said, it's just about momentum and getting that pace up, isn't it? No, absolutely. And I think, like you said, momentum's key 100%. I mean, I think one of the things that for me is, and a lot of, again, I've seen a lot online and I've, I've, I've touched on it previously, is it's still very early days in the season, right? We didn't have the greatest start. And as Anthony quite rightly alluded to, we've had a tough start in terms of away games and fixtures. Um, especially when you can take everything else into consideration, the, the outgoings, um, try, try to establish a new style of football under a new manager who's had very little time, um, going into a new season with a tough set of fixtures. It, it, it's, it's not been the ideal start by any means. And Stephen, you yourself have even said it's not good enough. And you're right, we should be winning some of these games, but it, it's still very early days. And we said this previously, and it's like there's a long, long way to go. Uh, and I think Anne's kind of touched on that as well. He's obviously seen the comments that have been made online and the stuff that the media have been talking about. Um, and then when he was asked about that, I, I thought it was a, a, a perfect response. Um, and it just it shows that he is watching, he's listening. Uh, but he's also no, he's no buying into the media shite and he's no, he's no going to bite or anything like that. Because when they asked him about it, he, he, he just he was like, oh, I thought, it was, I thought the league was over. We're just focusing on the games we've got. He's like, he's no. He's no biting, he's no going to buy into all that nonsense about the league being done and everything else. And as we've shown, teams are going to lose points between now and the end of the season. We might lose more. It's going to happen. And the fact that we've managed to pull it back to four, considering the start we've had, and like Anthony mentioned, we've got a good opportunity to take it to one and put the pressure on Rangers as well, who are playing away, then I think we're in a fantastic opportunity to seize it. So, I, I'm, I'm no, as I said, at the start of the season and as I said on previous episodes that I've been on when we've off the back of games with no one, I'm no worried. I mean, I'm actually glad you brought up the fact that I said it wasn't good enough. And to be honest, John, I still st- stand by that fact. I, I think it's a, <clears throat> it's an excuse culture that I don't want to get into. Being a Celtic fan, we should have enough to beat the likes of Hearts. We should have enough to beat the likes of Livingston, regardless of what team it is in the SPFL, regardless of what state Celtic are in currently. In my opinion, we should have enough in the tank to beat most, if not all the teams in the SPFL, and I'll stand by that, no problem, but I do agree, and I've said it before, we're in transition, and Posta Coglu, you're right, I thought his, uh, his comment that a reporter was fantastic when he said, I thought the league was over, mate, just kind of shut him down, and it's good to see a Celtic manager defending the club like that, and that's all well and good, but results dictate what happens as a Celtic manager, and Celtic need to be winning, we need to be top of the league, we need to be challenging for domestic cups, and at the moment, with these two wins in a row, hopefully that's an upward scale that we're going to go on, and we can be battling for first place come January, and that's something I'll be looking forward to watching. I'm sure you guys will agree with that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's just uh, get getting that winning sort of habit back 
is uh, something that we've all been desperate to do or, or see us doing. And uh, we'll just take each one as it comes and hopefully build on starting. Well, tomorrow night in Europe, obviously, or tomorrow, I, get, I keep saying it, tomorrow night, tomorrow <laughs> afternoon, and uh, well, of course, uh, against St. Johnston on Saturday. Yeah, and as you just read it out, Taylor, as quick as domestic action comes back for Celtic, we're back in European action tomorrow afternoon at Australian times of, of half three in the afternoon at Celtic Park against our old foes, John Furness Farros, who knocked us out of the Champions League not so long ago, and Postacoglu's already come out and said it's a must-win a, a must game in terms of kind of trying to qualify for either the Conference League or get further in the Europa League group and the knockout stages. The game <laughs> at, that, at that time tomorrow, do you think that has a potential effect on the players or the kind of atmosphere around Celtic Park? But again, it's not been confirmed how much tickets have been sold, but Postacoglu yeah. said it's going to be a healthy crowd. But it's a bit of a strange one all around, isn't it? I think I read somewhere that the, the ticket sales have been quite strong for it. Um, so I, I suspect it's probably going to be busy. But it is a very, very odd time to be having a uh, a game, especially a, a European game. It's, you you very, very rarely see stuff like that. Only if you're playing away uh, in some non-mad country that sounds like it's completely made up. Do you feel, or do you see games getting played at weird times? Usually you associate these, and as Anthony says, you just automatically say, the morrow night because these European games are are generally played sort of late evening um, and and under the like under the stars so to speak with floodlights and that and it, it, it adds to the atmosphere I, I do agree but it's I don't know it, it's a it's a weird one I mean most of us are going to be working so we might not even see the game um it's it's an, it's frustrating as Celtic fans it's going to be frustrating. Because uh, as I say, a lot of probably people who wanted to go to the game can't make it. People who want to watch the game can't because they're working. They've got other commitments. It's 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 a bit of kicking the teeth in that respect. But I mean, these are these guys are professional footballers, and the the, the time of day that they're kicking off shouldn't affect them in any way, shape, or form. And for the amount of money they get paid, they shouldn't be greeting about it either. There'll be some Celtic fans taking very long lunch breaks tomorrow, Anthony. I suspect, but I mean. Looking at it, as, as John said, the time's irrelevant. It shouldn't affect professional football players, but more so, I think, the atmosphere. Obviously, we've both seen reports that it's kind of going to be a healthy crowd, but it's just, it's just the kickoff. I know it's not the class with the Champions League football later that evening, but as I said to John, it's just a strange strange time, strange game, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think surely common sense could have prevailed. Uh, I, I understand why the match can't take place on the Thursday, because... Obviously, the Police Scotland are going to be extremely busy uh, and overworked with all of the, the world leaders and all their respective, you know, ensembles uh, and harems with them uh, for the, the COP26 uh, climate change summit. But there's, I, I don't understand why a simple phone... I, I get, we've, we've just came through, or we're, we're still in a pandemic where a lot of common sense decisions were made in terms of, you know, Okay, football seemed to be probably behind closed doors. So the three o'clock rule was uh, that you know the broadcasting sort of law was temporarily lifted. So you know people who had bought digital season tickets could watch the match. Common sense things like that. I know UEFA are very very precious about their Champions League nights and their Champions League kickoff times, but surely um, a massive summit. I mean, this is the G8 on steroids, what Scotland are going to be hosting um, at the end of this week. 
I, surely some sort of concessions could have been met where they say, look, for this one-off, it will, may not be a one-off sort of summit, but for something of this scale, surely we can just play the Europa League match on the Tuesday night at 8 o'clock. I, I don't imagine too many people out with Celtic fans and Ferenc Faros fans are going to be tuning into it. You know, I, I do accept that you know, we're a massive club, but all most eyes neutralised will be on the Champions League fixtures. I, I really don't understand why the match just couldn't have kicked off at 8 o'clock and, you know, some form of normality could have uh, sort of remained. Uh, that being said, it, it can have a, a sort of opposite effect. The, the one thing I'm quite glad about is the fact that we're getting a Saturday 3 o'clock kickoff now rather than if it being the traditional our game wouldn't be kicking off till Sunday so we've got a chance to you know put some pressure on uh, Rangers and Hearts domestically uh, at the weekend but uh, yeah it's, it is a strange one um, I remember a few years back well a few years back it's a decade ago now um, when we played in the Europa League uh, I think it was uh, the first full Europa League campaign under Neil Lennon it was the, the season before uh, he got us into the Champions League and uh, I think two, I think two of our three uh, Europa League fixtures that year were played at six o'clock in the evening, but they were both at home. I, I was just lucky that I was at college that year, so I used to get a, a sort of earlier finish. So I used to, you know, run from Edinburgh Telford College up to Waverley and get the train over uh, just in time uh, for kickoff uh, to Glasgow. But it, it was strange then. So you think, God, another two and a half hours behind that. Uh, half three on a Tuesday is really bizarre but you know yeah. if we get the three points I'm sure we won't be complaining too much even six o'clock's a shout by the way yeah I, as I say I don't unless the only thing I can imagine is if unless Police Scotland have asked to, to be even earlier just to give them sort of more perhaps you know daylight hours to, to go through their sort of drills and security measures for, for the summit that's all I can think of because it, it it just baffles me that in terms of a footballing sense why this game has to kick off so early yeah that is a it is a strange one but again there's all red tape around kickoff times as you said Anthony broadcasters other competitions and things can't intertwine and it's just messed up that way but it's it's the game we're going to have to deal with the kickoff time as Pastor Cogley said John for our European chances and hopes this is a must win game and being at home against Furnace Faros, you'd be thinking that this is a winnable game, albeit they did knock us out of the, the Champions League last season when they beat us 2-1, but getting into the game as it is now, and I mean, off the back of our previous games at Bayern Leverkusen and, and more so Real Batiste when they kind of played better, do you think the signs are looking good for us to get a result in this game? Hey, I, I feel confidence that we can get a result against uh, Furnace Faros uh, in both legs. Um um, I think I think we can still maybe. I mean, it's difficult to say given the fact that the way the last two games went. Um, the Leverkusen one's just best forgotten, but the 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 Batiste one we actually showed signs a lot of promise and signs, and I think there's enough about us at least on paper, and I think we're going to dominate much more of the ball um, tomorrow um, against Fenerbahce Varos, and I, th- I think there should be enough about us um, to 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 see them off. I. Uh, but no, I mean, in terms of your Europa campaign and, and things like that, the three points are a must. Yeah, and what about your what about yourself, Anthony? Confidence-wise, in the game, how are you feeling? 
I think Boyd on by the back of a few positive results. I, I see no reason why we can't go and get, and get the three points. I, and I don't even necessarily think we've we've played that badly um, in the previous game. Although you know the scoreline would suggest otherwise, especially in the first half we were we were in the game, and you know had it not been for the fact that you know Clark Kent was in goals uh, for Bayer Leverkusen that night, I, I, I see no reason uh, why we couldn't have been. It's just the way the foot, the game goes sometimes, and you know, perhaps we could have been a bit more disciplined, shut up shop, and just accepted a two 0 It's not in Angie's uh, sort of makeup to do so. It seems, however, but yeah, I thought in spells we've played, we played well uh, against Leverkusen. I thought in large spells we played well uh, over in Betis as well. So a home tie, strange circumstances, yes, but. I see no reason why we can't get the three points. Although it is very bizarre that probably by the time everyone listens to this build-up show, uh, the game will be finished. <laughs> that's that's very true. That is a valid point, because <laughs> this goes out at twelve. Our predictions are <laughs> out the window. But I mean, speaking of the game itself, me personally, I'm confident going to it. I think we're in a much better position than we were last year in terms of what we're facing, and I mean. It's fair and as far as, no disrespect, we should be aiming above that level. And many teams in Europe we should be above. And it's just kind of the state Celtic find themselves in at the moment. And as I said before, Posse said it's a must win. And I believe firmly that we need to get a result in this game to qualify for one of the, the competitions, either the Conference League or move forward into the, the, the knockout stages of the Europa League. But coming to yourself, John, in terms of lineup prediction, what have you gone for? Um, can anybody... So I'm, I'm, and this might just be a bit ignorance on my part, but is is Juranovic injured? He seems to be at the minute. I've not I've not heard anything about him. He seems to be. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it will be pretty much the same setup as it was against uh, um, Motherwell. Then uh, Hart obviously is going to start goal. Um, I think Bolongoli is no registered for Europe, or is he? What's what's no. the situation with him? See, He's not in the Europa League squad. Know. And if, if Juranovic is injured, I guess you're probably looking at. I don't even know, man. Taylor's still out. Montgomery. Aye, but do you, do you, is Scales registered? I mean, this is. Yeah, Scales is registered, yeah. Do you, do you maybe go with Scales? I don't know. I'll, I'll just say, I'll, I'll just play it. I'll just Montgomery, Starfelt. Um, Vickers, Ralston, I think it'll be Calmac in the middle of the park. We, um, I mean, he's gone blank, man. Um, Rogic, Turnbull, Jotan, Abada, and Kyogo. Just for a brief moment there, John, I forgot. I, I, I just thought you forgot all of Celtic's players. Just for a brief moment, <laughs> it, it just came into my head. I was going to give you a hand there, like, but I'm glad you dug yourself out of that hole. But me, me personally, like, that this is the game where I these games I was alluding to before, tough opposition. It's maybe a bit fucking thing to say about Furnas Faros, but they did put us out previously in a European competition, so we we'll have to respect that. I think myself that you'll have Rodzic dropping out and Beton coming back in and pushing McGregor up to that number eight position. So my team would be Hart, Ralston. Carter Vickers, Starfelt, Montgomery, Beton, McGregor, Turnbull, Abada, Kyogo, and Jada. What about yourself, Anthony? That's that's the team I was going to go for, Stephen. I, I did think that, yeah, it, unless he, if it, if it doesn't go with Beton, 
it, it may well be Sorrow or he, he may introduce McCarthy. We, we don't know. But if, if it was me, I agree, we do need that little bit more dig in the European games. And also, in a sense as well, it keeps uh, Rogic a bit more fresher for, for the weekend as well. And mm-hmm. I, I would be... I, I would be very shocked if you know either Soro, McCarthy, or Beaton are not at least one or, or at least one of those guys aren't featuring in the middle of the park tomorrow. And see, obviously, before we move on to score predictions, but I'm just interested here. We just think on this James McCarthy scenario, he seems to be dropped in now to match day squads. He's on the subs bench. He, he starts a game. He comes on, and then he's totally bombed out at Fair Park. John, he wasn't even in, in the match day squad. And it's what I we were discussing before. Me personally, I'm still on the on the side. I think it was a bizarre signing, a four year deal for a 31 year old who's been injury prone. Yeah, I don't think is, it's a I don't think it's a bizarre signing. We needed depth, right? And he's added that, and that's that sort of that area in midfield is probably one of the most loaded we've got. So I, I, you'd fully, I mean, when when you're coming in and you're, you're you need to add players on the bench to to accommodate all different positions in the park in case you need them. Um. You didn't want to overload the bench with just midfielders. So, I mean, I fully expect to see the likes of him and Sorrow and that rotated on the bench um, going forward, uh, unless one of them can cement themselves as a mainstay in the team. But, I, I mean, the rotation, I, I don't think it's that weird for me anyway. What about yourself, Anthony, on, on the McCarthy thing? I think you're right, John, when you say depth was needed. But... A one-year or two-year deal, you can understand it. My issue with it, Anthony, is a four-year deal for McCarthy. He'll be playing, what, he's 35 at Celtic, and he hasn't really warned it so far. And yes, he's getting up to speed with how we play, but this has been since his, what, six, seven weeks he's been, been involved with Celtic training, and he doesn't seem to be getting anywhere, does he? Well, he's certainly not cemented a place in the, the first team, that's, that's for sure. Uh, and when he has come on, you know, even as somebody you know you're you're willing him to do well because he's he's always talked highly of the club and you know if we remember you know a few years back he was absolutely it really looked like he would hit the heights in England it was just injury sort of curtailed that from happening um, but yeah I, th- I think as as John says there will come a point where he will sort of feature more but yeah I, 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 it is true that a four year deal for a guy who hasn't really played much football recently uh, was a bit strange. It may well end up being a great bit of business, but uh, I think that's still to be jury still out on that. Yeah, very much the jury still out on But look, we'll move on to score predictions for tomorrow's game against Furness Farrells. And after they come to yourself first, what, what have you gone for? Uh, I'll, I'll go for 3-1 Celtic. I think uh, a home tie, well, you know, confidence is high at the minute. We're still, you know, a little bit suspect at the back, so you've got to, you know, I've got to say what a shutout may be uh, too much to ask. But going forward, we've got plenty options, and I can see us get finally getting off the mark in our in our group. Yeah, three one. I I was going to go for three one to, to be honest with you, Anthony, as well. I think this is a game that's winnable, albeit our defence is still shaky, and that's why I'm putting the one in there because you never know with Celtic sometimes. But come to yourself, John. What are you saying about score predictions? I was going to say, I'm going to say 3-1 as well. I think it's a reasonable uh, sort of scoreline. I think we've got enough about us to score uh, a few goals. Uh, and as Anthony says, we're still a bit suspect at the back. And if they can catch us on the counter, then I, I, they may well score one. So, I mean, I think that's perfectly uh, acceptable sort of scoreline. Yeah, 3-1. And I mean, the half-free. I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to watch it. 
<laughs> I'm not working tomorrow, so all's good for me. I'm going to watch it. And I mean, many Celtic fans, we all know what they're like. They'll find a way to watch the game. And that's kind of, that's kind of the thing. The half free kickoff, as we've all alluded to, is strange, but we have to deal with it. And it's a must-win game in the European stage, I think. So we need to get it. We need to get that win. So 3-1's a great side all round, guys. But look, that kind of brings us to the end of the show. And I'm going to end the show quite differently this time. I usually just end it quickly by thanking everyone for listening. But we all forget sometimes that football is just a game. And the people who play football are human beings, much like ourselves. And health comes first. And we at the end of the podcast just want to pass on, our, pass on our best wishes to the Livingston goalkeeper, Daniel Barden, who's been diagnosed with testicular cancer. And again, if anyone feels like symptoms that's been described, contact your GP, your doctor, get checked because it's better being safe than sorry. And we yeah. all echo our thoughts and our prayers are with Daniel Barden. And we, we all wish him a speedy recovery. And in terms of the show, guys, that brings us to the end. And I just want to thank my co-host John for coming back on and Anthony for coming back on. Fresh fresh voices has been been good to hear. And everyone who's listening, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.